the hard shoulder. With Nissan. Number one for petrol in Ireland. Number one for electric. Nissan. Innovation that excites. This is News Talk. Well, it's a pleasure to welcome Carl Dieter of Irish Mortgage Brokers uh, filling in for Sinead Ryan on our Consumer Corner because we wanted to talk specifically about what's happening in the mortgage market. Uh, A lot of the lending institutions are speaking about record numbers, an eight-year high of the number of mortgage approvals. Uh, A billion worth of mortgages approved in July. Um, It's the first time since 2011 and the crash that it topped this level. 5,129 mortgages were approved in July. More than half of these were first-time home buyers um, and movers uh, accounted for uh, 28%. Welcome. Um, would you say, Carl, that the, the, the level of activity is now significant and back to where it was before? Well, uh, at the peak of the mortgage market, we were doing about 40 billion a month, or sorry, 40 billion a year in, in lending. And now, even if this was to continue in a year, you might hit 12 billion. So it's down around a, a quarter of what the boom was. What's really interesting this time around, though, is people always catch up towards the end of the cycle. So you'll see that the central bank has made interest rates really, really low for a really long time. Institutions fill their boots. Um, you know, everyone else seems to have gone out and leveraged. People always do it last. So that's, I think, part of what we're seeing here is that, is that the, the regular Joe Punter tends to be the last one in the line to go out and do that. But the market this time around hasn't been driven by people taking out too many mortgages the way it was the last time. It's actually been a big wall of institutional cash, actual regular cash held by private individuals and, and funds. Uh, all making this market rise. People are sick of renting. We've seen that the uh, number of people renting shrank. The number of tenancies registered shrank by 6,000 last year. And at the same time, now you're seeing these uh, mortgage approvals start to go up. So I think it's a shift away from people who were happy to rent during the, the crash, that they're you know the last ones to be convinced are finally going out and buying. Whether that's a good idea or not remains to be seen. Uh, I'm not convinced that the, the property market in general that we have at the moment is one that won't see corrections. But uh, the prices are good. I will say that much for mortgage lending rates are down. They're going to keep going down because all throughout Europe, and this is an amazing thing that, that I haven't even seen in the news, is that all of the rates for all of the Eurozone countries, when the government go out to borrow AAA bonds, they're all negative for the next 30 years. That meant if you went and let, gave some government money for 30 years' time, you would get less back in 30 years than you gave them today. It's a really astronomical thing. I haven't seen anything like it in my professional career. And what's the position about supply and demand for loans? In other words, uh, we heard, you know, the banks had only so many approvals and that after, you know, three quarters or half the year, you just, oh, we've used up our approval, particularly where there's this uh, minority uh, flexibility. You know, the three and a half times your income in was 10 percent of cases, they can give four and a half times your income or or a less uh, loan to value ratio or whatever. What's your sense of, is there more demand for mortgages than there is mortgages available? Or is there a wall of money there and people just can't afford to take out the mortgages? What you're seeing is is a few of those things, actually, because if you look at the people who really want to borrow the most, they tend to not be the people with the highest wages. 
And they're the ones who are stuck paying some of the most horrific rents relative to their income. So a lot of them, they're going out and they're applying for the exceptions. With some people, even with a loan exception, they're not going to get to the, the price that properties have hit. And that's why you're also seeing property prices rise further away from the city. What I thought was interesting was the, the, the mortgage scheme that the government ran with the Rebuilding Ireland, which was actually oversubscribed and the three years worth of lending was used in one year. And to get a loan like that, you had to be refused by two banks. So it goes to show at the, at the, at the, at the slightly lower end of the market, these rules which keep the country safe actually really hurt people on an individual level. And they're trying to go and get a, a pool of funding, which is actually quite small. And and that's a, a policy mistake in my uh in my opinion, I suppose, I think if you look at, at a person borrowing when they're younger, that the natural tendency is for their income to rise over time. And what we've seen is that three and a half times income, that that's that's just a made up number. I mean, nothing happens at 3.6 times income or 3.3 times income. I think that there's a better way to do it. Although those rules, I suppose, if they have to be there or not, I would welcome them. But I do think they need to be relooked at because it's actually preventing people from home ownership when you could prove that they could live in that house long-term for cheaper with a 10-year fixed rate than they're paying in rents. And that's the thing, is protecting the country, which is what the central bank does on one hand, that's a that's a, a disappointing message when you're trying to raise a family and live your life in the here and now, because the central bank aren't there to protect you. They're there to protect the country, and your own wealth and your own future don't even come into it. And that's a frustrating thing. Now, uh, amongst first-time homebuyers, the big-ticket item is the help-to-buy scheme. A lot of people can't make it all pay unless they get this 25 grand subsidy. Uh, it, it, no government approval has been given to extend it. Now, with an election coming up, I think it's a, a no-brainer that they will <laughs> extend it. What do you think? I think you're dead right, Ivan. I, I, I think that if they were to pull help-to-buy now, it would be a, an error on several fronts. One is that Indicon did a rather large report on this to see whether help-to-buy was influencing prices. They showed that it didn't. Uh, what we also saw was, for instance, some people reporting saying, look, help-to-buy is helping people who are, you know, on a joint basis making 90000 a year. Well, that's actually the... the that. That is the de facto point of full-time average wage in this country times two. So it's actually showing that it's helping normal people. This idea that it only helps the well-off, it's, it's completely misplaced. And, and to pull it away at a time when it's been showing to make certain sites viable, which otherwise wouldn't be occurring, uh, I think would be an error because we're told that we need more housing. And, uh, and if we do, this is one of the ways to help make that happen, that the statistical analysis rather than the emotional analysis has shown is not really making any difference to where prices will be going. Now, on the wider issue of supply, the construction industry is telling me that they've reached a level where they're stopping to expand their building plans because of the ceiling of affordability. We have a report today published jointly by the CIF uh, and the Cork Chamber of Commerce, which says that for apartment building, as opposed to uh, uh, semi-detached houses, which the planning system obliges people in Cork City to build because the density required of 35 units per hectare means they can only get permission uh, for apartments, that actually when it comes to the economics of this, when they work out, okay, at the construction costs and all the rest of it, it's going to come in at, we'll say, 280,000, and the most the market will pay for an apartment is 210,000 or whatever. I'm just using those figures on the top of my head. What do you make of this issue of affordability and the requirements, the planning requirements to only build apartments? I think it, it tells us a lot of the things that we intuitively know. So we need apartments. Everybody knows that. 
I think that, that Dublin in particular needs to get a lot more dense. I mean, how often do you hear people come out and say, oh, we should be more like Denmark or some other city, at, you know, let's be like Copenhagen. They just pull these cities out of the air as if you can take two cities and put them side by side. What they always fail to mention is the level of density in those cities. So you look at somewhere like Dublin, you've got 120 kilometers and you say there's 400,000 people in it. In Denmark, you've got the same amount within 40 kilometers. Now, there's only one way to do that. You either build up or you go underground because you can't can't keep going outwards, which was the old trend. So we have got to do this, and it's what is required. But then we have this conundrum where building those apartments has become unviable. Again, that is something where help to buy is, is stemming that gap. Sometimes it doesn't. But within those figures, what you see is that the government actually make a third of the final cost. You want to talk about greedy developers. I think we should have a conversation about greedy government because the government take no risk when they're allowing a house to be built. That is someone else's money, and yet they take a third of the final price, and that is price gouging on vulnerable customers, which is not their job. It is not the job of government to make house prices crazy high. Actually, I should like... Or I should change that story. It actually is their job, but it's back to that Bastiat idea of well, plucking well, the goose with the, the least amount of hissing. People like face. high prices. The government has set their face against anything because they say that this will not result in more affordable houses or apartments if they cut the tax because the developers will gobble up the tax it, concession and put it in their arse pocket. Let's say that they do. Let's look at what the economic theory would say in that instance. So if you want to increase supply, one of the drivers of increased supply, and this is in every textbook that every child can read from you know fourth year on, is tax benefits. Now, if you give tax benefits, it creates more supply, more people enter into that market. What happens when more people enter? You do get competition, prices come down. You do get increased activity, prices should come down. What you might do in the short term is have some developer who bought really, really well, and they'll say, yeah, look, this is great. I'm going to make loads of money. Is that the worst outcome if we get more houses? Are we going to get to a point where we have to decry a certain group so much that to see them benefit will be worse than to get the social benefit of more houses, which is what we actually need? A question here. I have two cousins working in the Middle East. They want to come home and to build here. They already have a site, but I believe it's nearly impossible to get a mortgage for a non-resident. Well, that's not true. So if you get onto the Irish mortgage brokers, will you get them a mortgage? Uh, What makes that one tricky isn't that they're non-resident. What makes it tricky is that it's a self-built non-resident, and that becomes something quite difficult. So if a person... Because when you start to take on self-build, it's a different type of proposition than it is to buy a house in where the block of houses is done. For instance, because normally you're buying an end product that is given to you fully uh, finished. With a self-build, you're actually looking at doing lending on a phased basis as the project goes on. If someone is living abroad, there's nothing to say that they're going to come back and service that mortgage and live there. So normally what would happen in a self-build non-resident is they would actually have to move back here even just for a short amount of time, be permanent here, yeah, work away. We can help those folks. If you were just living in the Middle East and you wanted to buy a home here, we can help you with that too. But what's difficult is the the, the situation you just described where they want to take on what is effectively a single-person development or single-house development, and they're also living abroad. That kind of lending is risky. We complained about it last time around. We can't complain about it this time around. Now, Decking Kildare asks, please ask your guest how relaxing mortgage rules can be justified when there is so little to buy. Similarly, help to buy only benefited the few who were able to buy quickly before prices rose after its inception. 
Well, I hope Tobias is showing that it has actually been resilient and isn't just helping those people. So to the second part of your, your query, the last part first, I would say I don't agree with that. Do you favour, though, the, the central bank relaxing their restrictions? I think that making it a little bit more uh, tailored to the person uh, wouldn't be the worst thing that could happen. I think that what you see is a lot of fighting around the edges when those edges are, are false constructs that have nothing to do with a person's life. So if a person is earning €70,000, are they rich? You could argue yes, you could argue no. If that's all you know... That's what that kind of rule brings the, the argument down to. If a person has uh, owns their own business and makes 70 grand, they're different than a person who works in a white-collar profession who's earning 70 grand. If the person who owns their own business has no children, they're much different than the white-collar person who might be earning 70 grand and have six kids. These are the kind of conversations those rules don't allow to exist. And because of that, we end up with this really mechanical process that excludes as many people as it helps. All right, there you have a glimpse from the front line of the mortgage market. Important to so many young people trying to get their first foot on the property ladder. My thanks to Carl Dieter of Irish Mortgage Brokers. Uh, lots of texts and lots more to come. But up next in business news, we'll hear more about the viability of building apartments in Cork and elsewhere for that report. And banker bonuses look to be off the table.